Hi, everybody. You are listening to episode 107 of season three in the Warrior's Way podcast. And as always, guess what? I'm James Eek. So, Warrior's Way podcast army, if you are listening, I've got a question for you. Would you like to feel better about yourself? Maybe find yourself in better shape, get some pointers on getting some zen in your life. And do you want to have access to some awesome martial arts classes, as well as techniques and assorted other awesomeness that pulls from, oh, let's say 10 different martial arts into something that I call martial arts fusion? Well, now you can. Warrior's Way Online Training Program is available now for you to train with me from wherever you are around the world, thanks to the interwebs. So if you're new to this thing, or if you, I don't know, aren't paying attention, (laughs) I've been training in the martial arts and fitness and zen for, well, most of my 52 years now. And what the Warrior's Way Online Training Program is is an intelligent way for you to improve your life for the best starting today. And I know it's stuff that works because it's what I do. Pretty cool stuff. So the way it works is you choose from one of three annual memberships that offer everything from you working on your own, getting a class a week, to getting a tailor-made one-on-one virtual training with me. So we work hand-in-hand. Not only is the Warriors Way Online Training Program packed with information and knowledge bombs, but I've made it so it's affordable for everyone to get involved. Yay! Wish I had sound effects. Whether you are looking for online martial arts classes, looking to get more fit, or learning how to meditate, you can find it on the Warriors Way Online Training Program. And if you're listening to this as it comes out, just be aware there are a few website bells and whistles that are still being worked on. There's no homepage. But the Warrior's Way online training program itself is up and ready to go whenever you are. So, finish listening to this, but go to www.warriorsway.life and sign up today. And if you act now, you can get a copy of my latest ebook, Just Breathe. That's the name of the book. <laughs> Hope to see you there soon. There's already a few people using it, by the way, and from what I'm hearing, they're loving it. Anyhow, before I start, I have one more thing to say. As we are recording this, we're hitting what's been called the third wave of COVID. And yeah, I know you're sick of it, and the last thing you want is to hear any more of it. So am I. Believe me. I haven't been able to teach in person for the past six months plus. But to be honest, that is the least of what I can do to be not just responsible and compassionate, but to think of other people first. If you don't believe in COVID, well, honestly, just go listen to somebody else's podcast because this one isn't for you. The Warrior's Way podcast is all about what we can do to make this world a better place, to put others first, to understand what service before self, as we call it in the army, is all about. 
What I need you to do is to think before you do things. Listen to what the smart people, not those fringy conspiracy nutters or the ones who want you to put selfishness and greed first, what they think. Don't listen to them. Listen to those in the know. If they are telling you to be safe, to wear a mask, to stay away from others or anything else, well, frankly, don't be a freaking idiot and just do it. To spell it out, we can beat COVID if we all work together, if we all stay away from each other. It isn't rocket science. You beat a virus by not letting it spread. And also, we beat it by helping. If you've been watching the news, there's some terrible things happening with COVID in India right now. This week, they've been getting 350,000 new cases a day. Their hospitals are full. People are literally in the streets dying of COVID. And if you wonder, what does that have to do with you? Man, (laughs) if I have to spell it out, it has everything to do with you. Yeah, you may think you live in the best country and on the planet, but wake up. You may think that you are far away and removed from all of that. Wake up. We are all in this together. What happens in India or China or anywhere in Africa, South America, or down the street, it all matters. It matters to all of us in a time like this. We have the ability to stop this. We have the ability to help. Or you can just remember for the rest of your life that the way you dealt with COVID was to let others down so that you can stoke your delusion. So support your martial arts instructors, your schools, and the things you love for sure but do it from a distance. Support all those businesses that you love and want to see around, but from a distance. Don't try to bend the rules. A few weeks ago, I heard of a jiu-jitsu competition that was being held. Now, if you think that competing in something like that is a good idea right now when people are on ventilators and dying and there's variants going around that they aren't sure if the vaccine even works with... (laughs) It's stupid and selfish. And people are dying because of selfishness and stupid people who mindlessly spread the virus thinking that they are somehow removed. And they're just living their best lives or whatever cliche they swear by. And I hope that if you're like that, or if these people are like that, that you sleep well at night. Because honestly, life is short enough already. Life is already hard enough. We don't need to make it worse for others just so we can put a dumb trinket around our necks or party with our friends or any other stupid thing that we do selfishly to make ourselves feel happy. What kind of low self-esteem do people like that deal with? And if that is really what you think you need to do in a time like this, 
Wow, man. And for folks who organize things to get people out there doing stuff together, oh my Lord, money must be really important to you. So I hope it helped your life out because that doesn't matter either. I get it. Believe me, I get it. You want this over and done with and you love your life and the things in it. We all do. But here's the thing. If we don't do things now to stop this, if we don't step up and be heroes and leaders, if we don't do something like get the vaccine, if we don't stay away from others, just honestly, this is going to go on indefinitely. And viruses mutate, folks, if you don't realize that, and they can become a whole lot worse. So here's what I'm asking you. Be kind. Be a good friend. Be a leader. Even if you aren't sure about things, keep it to yourself. What we need is people to step up. We need people to lead and we need people to help. We need people to be kind and selfless. Think about it. All right. I am now stepping off the soapbox (laughs) and getting on with the podcast. As human beings, we share a tendency to scramble for certainty whenever we realize that everything around us is in flux. In difficult times, the stress of trying to find solid ground, something predictable to stand on, seems to intensify. But in truth, the very nature of our existence is forever in flux. Everything keeps changing, whether we're aware of it or not. What a predicament. We seem doomed to suffer simply because we have a deep-seated fear of how things really are. Our attempts to find lasting pleasure, lasting security, are at odds with the fact that we're part of a dynamic system in which everything and everyone is in process. So this is where we find ourselves, right in the middle of a dilemma. It leaves us with some provocative questions. How can we live wholeheartedly in the face of impermanence, knowing that one day we're going to die? What is it like to realize we can never completely and finally get it all together? Is it possible to increase our tolerance for instability and change? How can we make friends with unpredictability and uncertainty and embrace them as vehicles to transform our lives? The Buddha called impermanence one of the three distinguishing marks of our existence. An inconvertible, incontrovertible fact of life. But it's something we seem to resist pretty strongly. We think if only we did this or didn't do that, somehow we could achieve a secure, dependable, and controllable life. How disappointed we are when things don't work out quite the way we planned. Not long ago, I read an interview with the war correspondent Chris Hedges, in which he used a phrase that seemed like a perfect description of our situation. The moral ambiguity of human existence. This refers, I think, to an essential choice that confronts us all, whether to cling to the false security of of our fixed ideas and tribal views, 
even though they bring us only momentary satisfaction, or to overcome our fear and make the leap of living an authentic life. That phrase, the moral ambiguity of human existence, resonated strongly with me because it's what I've been exploring for years. How can we relax and have a genuine, passionate relationship with the fundamental uncertainty of the groundlessness of human beings? My first teacher, Chogram Trungpa, used to talk about the fundamental anxiety of being human. This anxiety or queasiness in the face of impermanence isn't something that afflicts just a few of us. It's an all-pervasive state that human beings share. But rather than being disheartened by the ambiguity, the uncertainty of life, what if we accepted it and relaxed into it? What if we said, yes, this is the way it is, this is what it means to be human? and decided to sit down and enjoy the ride. But what does the fundamental ambiguity of human, of being human mean in terms of day-to-day life? Above it all, it means understanding that everything changes. As the 8th century Buddhist master Shantideva wrote in The Way of the Bodhisattva, all that I possess and use is like the fleeting vision of a dream. It fades into the realms of memory and fading will be seen no more. Whether we're conscious of it or not, the ground is always shifting. Nothing lasts, including us. There are probably very few people who at any given time are consumed with the idea, I'm going to die but there is plenty of evidence that this thought, this fear, haunts us constantly. I, too, am a brief and passing thing, observed Shantideva. When we resist change, it's called suffering. But when we can let go and not struggle against it, well, that's called enlightenment. So what does it feel like to be human in this ambiguous, groundless state? For one thing, we grab at pleasure and try to avoid pain. But despite our efforts, we're always alternating between the two. Under the illusion that experiencing constant security and well-being is the ideal state, we do all sorts of things to try to achieve it. Eat, drink, drug, work too hard, spend hours online, or watching TV. But somehow we never quite achieve the state of unwavering satisfaction that we're seeking. At times we feel good. Physically, nothing hurts. And mentally, it's all good. Then it changes. And we're hit with physical pain or maybe mental anguish. I imagine it would even be possible to chart how how pleasure and pain alternate in our lives. Hour by hour, day by day, year in and year out. First one and then the other predominating. But it's not impermanence per se, or even knowing we're going to die, that is the cause of our suffering, the Buddha taught. Rather, it's our resistance to the fundamental uncertainty of our situation. Our discomfort arises from all of our effort to put ground under our feet, to realize our dream of constant okayness. When we resist change, it's called suffering. 
But when we can completely let go and not struggle against it, when we can embrace the groundlessness of our situation and relax into its dynamic quality, that's called enlightenment or awakening to our true nature, to our fundamental goodness. Another word for this is freedom. Freedom from struggling against the fundamental ambiguity of being human. When the fund, what the fundamental ambiguity of being human points to is that as much as we want to, we can never say, this is the only true way. This is how it is. End of discussion. In the Chris Hedges interview that I read, he talked about the pain that ensues when a group or religion insists that its view is the one true view. As individuals, we too have plenty of fundamentalist tendencies. We use them to comfort ourselves. We, gra we grab onto a position or belief as a way of neatly explaining reality, unwilling to tolerate the uncertainty and discomfort of staying open to other possibilities. We cling to that position as our personal platform and become very dogmatic about it. The root of these fundamentalist tendencies, these dogmatic tendencies, is a fixed identity. A fixed view we have of ourselves as good or bad, worthy or unworthy, this or that. With a fixed identity, we have to busy ourselves with trying to rearrange reality. Because reality doesn't always conform to our views. The discomfort associated with fundamental ambiguity of being human comes from our attachment to wanting things to be a certain way. The Tibetan word for attachment is Shenpa. My teacher calls Shenpa the barometer of ego clinging, a gauge of our self-involvement and self-importance. Shenpa has a visceral quality associated with grasping or conversely pushing away. This is the feeling of I like, I want, I need, I don't like, I don't want, I don't need. I want it to go away. I think of Shenpa as being hooked. It's that stuck feeling, that tightening or closing down or withdrawing we experience when we're uncomfortable with what's going on. Shenpa is also the urge to find relief from the, those feelings by clinging to something that gives us pleasure. For the most part, our attachment or our Shenpa arises involuntarily. Our habitual response to feeling insecure. When we're feeling hooked, we turn to anything to relieve the discomfort. We turn to food, alcohol, sex, shopping, being critical or unkind. But there's something more fruitful we can do when that edgy feeling arises. It's similar to the way we can deal with pain. One popular way of relating to physical pain is mindfulness meditation. It involves directing our full attention to the pain and breathing in and out of that spot that hurts. Instead of trying to avoid the discomfort, you open yourself completely to it. You become receptive to the painful sensation without dwelling on the story your mind has concocted. It's bad. I shouldn't feel this way. Maybe it should it maybe it will never go away. When you contact the all worked up feeling of Shenpa, the basic instruction is the same as in dealing with physical pain. Whether it's a feeling of I like or I don't like, or an emotional state like loneliness or depression or anxiety, you open yourself up fully to the sensation. 
free of interpretation. If you tried this approach with physical pain, you know that the result can be quite miraculous. When you give your full attention to your knee or your back or your head or whatever hurts and drop the good, bad, right, wrong storyline and simply experience the pain directly for even a short time, then your ideas about the pain and often the pain itself will just dissolve. In my stroke of insight, the brain scientist Jill Bolt Taylor's book about her recovery from a massive stroke, she explains the physiological mechanism behind emotion. An emotion like anger, that's an automatic response, it lasts just 90 seconds from the moment it's triggered until it runs its course. That's one and a half minutes. That's all. When it lasts any longer, which it usually does, it's because we've chosen to rekindle it. The fact of the shifting, changing nature of our emotions is something we could take advantage of. But do we? No. Instead, when, we, when an emotion comes up, we fuel it with our thoughts. And what should last one and a half minutes maybe is drawn out for 10 or 20 years. We just keep recycling the storyline. We keep strengthening our old habits. Most of us have physical or mental conditions that have caused us distress in the past. And we get a whiff of one coming, an incipient asthma attack, a symptom of chronic fatigue, a twinge of anxiety, we panic. Instead of relaxing with the feeling and letting it do its minute and a half while we're fully open and receptive to it, we say, oh, no, 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 here it is again. We refuse to feel the fundamental ambiguity when it comes in this form. So we do the thing that will be most detrimental to us. We rev up our thoughts about it. What if this happens? What if that happens? We stir up a lot of mental activity. Body, speech, and mind become engaged in running away from the feeling, which only keeps it going and going and going and going. We can counter this response by training and being present. When you contact groundlessness... One way to deal with that edgy, queasy feeling is to do the one and a half minute practice. Acknowledge the feeling. Give it your full attention. Give it your full, compassionate, even welcoming attention. And even if it's only for a few seconds, drop the storyline about the feeling. This allows you to have a direct experience of it, free of interpretation. Don't fuel it with concepts or opinions about whether it's good or bad. Just be present with the sensation. Where is it located in your body? Does it remain the same for very long? Does it shift and change? Ego and fixed identity doesn't just mean we have a fixed idea about ourselves. It also means that we have a fixed idea about everything that we perceive. I have a fixed idea about you. You have a fixed idea about me. And once there's that feeling of separation, it gives rise to strong emotions. In Buddhism, strong emotions like anger, craving, pride, and jealousy are known as kleshas. Conflicting emotions that cloud the mind. Kleshas are our vehicles for escaping groundlessness. And therefore, every time we give into them, our pre-existing habits are reinforced. 
In Buddhism, going around and around, recycling the same patterns is called samsara. And samsara is pain. We keep trying to get away from the fundamental ambiguity of being human, and we can't. We can't escape it any more than we can escape change. Any more than we can escape death. The cause of our suffering is our reaction to the reality of no escape. Ego clinging and all the trouble that stems from it, all the things that make it difficult for us to be comfortable in our own skin and get along with one another. If the way to deal with those feelings is to stay present with them without fueling the storyline, then it begs the question, how do I get in touch with the fundamental ambiguity of being human in the first place. In fact, it's not difficult because underlying uneasiness is usually, usually present in our lives. It's pretty easy to recognize, but not so easy to interrupt. We may experience this uneasiness as anything from slight edginess to sheer terror. Anxiety makes us feel vulnerable, which we generally don't like. Vulnerability comes in many guises. We may feel off balance as if we don't know what's going on, don't have a handle on things. We may feel lonely or depressed or angry. Most of us want to avoid emotions that make us feel vulnerable. So we'll do almost anything to get away from them. But instead of thinking of these feelings as bad, we could think of them as road signs or barometers that tell us we're in touch with groundlessness. Then we would see the feelings for what they really are, the gateway to liberation, an open doorway to freedom from suffering, the path to our deepest well-being and joy. We have a choice. We can spend our whole life suffering because we can't relax with how things really are, or we can relax and embrace the open-endedness of the human situation, with, which is a fresh, unfixed, unbiased kind of thing. So the challenge is to notice the emotional tug of Shenpo when it arises, and to stay with it for one and a half minutes, without the storyline. Can you do this once a day, or many times throughout the day as the feeling arises? That's the challenge. This is the process of unmasking, letting go, opening the mind, opening the heart. That was awesome. So that, folks, is from Pema Children and something that she wrote called Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change. Pick up that book. That is awesome. I honestly wish somebody decades ago had warned me about Shenpa and that resistance to our fundamental uncertainty of our situation, our fighting against anything and everything that we, we cling to and the uncertainty that life itself can bring. I don't even know if I even realized in the past just how hooked I was to my delusions of who I was hooked on the drama of my past, hooked on the uncertainty of the future, hooked on believing my own BS. 
Believe me, I believed in lots of it. Let's face it, society really tries to shove down our throats just how unique and special and individual we all are, as if we're all going to live forever. And this is utter nonsense. You aren't even who or what you think you are. So how are you some kind of shining center in the universe? None of us are. Maybe we should have a new curriculum in our schools that teach kids that their uniqueness lies in their connection with everything and everyone around them. That what is more important than you believing you are more important than anyone else is that we cultivate compassion, kindness, and understanding and putting others first and our selfishness out of the window. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've learned the hard way that selfishness only breeds stupidity and suffering. COVID has shown this as well, if you haven't noticed. People don't think about others first or at all. And surprise, surprise, we have a pandemic. Heck, people don't think about others first. They, they don't even think about the world around them. <laughs> It's not a surprise one that we get a pandemic. It's like the world shaking us to wake up. We all get caught up in the hamster wheel of life and we somehow think that we, what we do doesn't matter. What we do won't impact others. As long as we're happy and trying to be happy, nothing else matters. Striving for happiness, though, is the hamster wheel itself. It won't get you anywhere. You fill your life with surrounding yourself with things and trips and desires, and you still feel empty and think that maybe the next thing is going to fill that void. Before you know it, you've drunk away a chunk of your life or just diluted yourself in any multitude of ways another chunk and simply threw away more of it on other ridiculous attempts to avoid seeing what life really is all about. So how do you get there? Man, I'm no expert. But from 52 years of making lots of mistakes, what I have come to really realize, especially over the past few years, is that you need to let go. You need to see life as it really is, or at least try. You need to stop judging. You need to stop grasping. You need to throw away every negative and destructive part of yourself. And you need to stop being mean. You need to stop blaming others. You need to have compassion, kindness, understanding, and mindfulness in every moment of your life. And sometimes you're going to get it wrong. But you keep trying. Imagine what the world would be like if everybody thought of others first. If we showed compassion. No. No. Not showed compassion. But imagine if we glowed with it and spread it into every corner of life. If instead of being mean and petty and judgy, instead, of, instead we tried to support and understand and to help people. This is the true path. This is the way. It's also a lot harder than the alternative, which is why so few people will ever really get it. Why so few people will actually do it. 
someone makes you feel this way or that way, and instead you're going to judge them. You're going to look for vengeance. You're going to spread cruelty. We've all done it. Think about it. Look back on the last time someone supposedly did something to you and how did you respond? Were you kind? Were you compassionate? (laughs) We do it all the time. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Do you act kindly to them? No. We cling to these ridiculous views of ourselves and our own self-importance. Instead, relax. Stay in the moment. See what's actually happening, happening and don't cling to any of it. Help people. Let go of who you demand yourself to be, who you need others to be. Let go of it all and just, as I keep saying, be a good friend. So there you go. Clinging to things as we want them or demand them to be won't help us at all. It won't help anyone or anything. Let's be better. Just let go. Open your heart. Be compassionate. Be kind. All right. The question of the week comes to us from Richard. In a recent podcast, you were talking about letting go. Can you explain that a little more? I actually was just talking about letting go a few seconds ago, too. (laughs) I must do it a lot. Um, Well, good question, actually. Letting go is a sort of a fruit that grows on the tree of meditation or mindfulness. Letting go means learning to release from all the stress, all the thoughts, all the fantasy, and all the grasping we all do in our lives. (laughs) But it isn't the easiest thing, especially at first, and even later, (laughs) unless you're very lucky, and unless you work hard. The benefit of getting it into your toolbox that you carry through life is huge, though. In the middle of a health storm with practice, you will use the practice of breath work and mindfulness meditation to really learn to just let go, to detach from all the things that swirl around. When you get it, you will just let it go. You will start to see and feel and understand what actually matters in this life. And those things that you're clinging to, yeah, not so much. The emotions, the baggage, the thoughts. You'll have the understanding that we need to learn to let go of everything to find peace. The best advice I have for you is to just sit, breathe in, and tell yourself, let go. Exhale and tell yourself, let go. Make this your mantra. Breathe and let go. Do this throughout your day for a bunch of breaths. Do it while you're working. Do it while you're walking. I double dog dare you to do it. And I'd love to hear what a difference it makes in your life. For me, I really learned that learning to and practicing letting go really is a game changer, especially in rocky times. And believe me, you're not always going to be successful with it but you will be sometimes. 
It's important, especially when you have a bit of chaos going on. It brings and it breeds harmony. It breeds peace and serenity. And it'll help you find the truth that lies inside of you. Inside of all of us. So there you go. Breathe. Just let go. And we're going to end it there, folks. Thanks for tuning in. So head on over to the Warriors Way online training program. It's uh, www.warriorsway.life. Like I mentioned, though, um, to actually get into the online training program itself, you have to get a membership. And uh, the homepage and all the some of the descriptors, they're not so um, visible yet because we're still working on that part. It's just the inner workings that are working because these things sometimes take time and revision and all the rest. But anyways, if you're interested in training with me online, drop me a line and we will get you hooked up. Uh, you can find me at Warriors Way Podcast on Facebook. You can also find the Eek Academy of Martial Arts there. Eek Academy of Martial Arts is on Instagram. Because I guess that's what we do these days. <laughs> Uh, if you like the podcast, go over to Amazon and grab a copy of one of my books. You can get them as ebooks or paper books. And give this podcast five stars if you get a chance. Like always, folks, train hard. And everything is training, by the way. Have fun. And be a good friend. That means more than you realize. Take care of yourselves. Take care of everyone.